passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. I'm Mike Chipos, man. I got this, yeah. And now, this is the moment you've all been waiting for. It's time to listen to Reese and Dan on the Angle Pick Pod. Welcome back, Ankle Pickers. We're getting a late start this week, but we're still here as always. Country Club Kobe is with me, and then Dank Wagers, DK, MMA, uh, Longhorn is here as well. We're here. We're going to recap 273. We're going to do some news and notes with our news anchor, Country Club Kobe. And then we're going to finish it off with, you know, picks, predictions for this week's card below Muhammad versus Vicente Luque. Little shout out from the top. Happy birthday, Dank Wagers. Yes. Sure, yes, sir. Yes. Even on his birthday, he is here today to break down some fights. He wouldn't have it any other way. But, you know, drop a like because we're going to have this on YouTube now. Uh, and, and you know, drop a rating and all that good stuff for the Dank Wager's birthday. Tweet at him if you feel so inclined. Okay. So before we get into recap, I just want to really quickly say that your boy right here has been working on editing the videos. So we're going to have set the spread as our first video because it's short over on YouTube at Ankle Pick Pod. And then I'm going to have this week's episode out. I'm going to try to have it out before Saturday's fights. But I'm still learning here. So each little thing that I'm trying to do takes time um, for me to try to figure out how to do it and stuff. So there's definitely a learning curve. Be patient, but all the support over there will be greatly, greatly appreciated, especially by me because nothing, nothing's worse than putting a bunch of hours of work in and then hitting a big fat zero views. So, okay. That should do it for House Cootie. I just wanted to reiterate the... Oh, and then also, that was the other thing. Also, I've been editing little clips from the videos, and I'm going to start throwing those up on TikTok too. So for funny moments or the clip that chats or bad takes exposed or Malort bets, bets. yeah, all that good stuff, you're going to just be able to go rip that over on TikTok for quick media too. So all things are happening. And for all you guys that are here on the ground, ground floor, I know we've been doing it for two years, but like, the entry level when we just have audio, you're the real ones. We'll, we'll actually truly always remember that. It's huge. Okay. Let's get into it, guys. We'll recap action. So we're recapping UFC 273, and we're going to go over some of the more main storylines here because, I mean, there was a lot of 
you know, random stuff that happened and there was some surprises, some pretty standard stuff, but we're going to try to get through it. So Dan, I want to jump up the card a little bit out the rip and start with uh, Alexio Linick versus Jared Vandera. I don't know if we should, maybe this works on both your schedules. If we take one step back, I think we combine some news and notes and some recap with uh, Kay Hansen kind of looking flat and then mm. getting the, the pink slip on Monday. Sure. Yeah. So Kay Hansen lost unanimous decision to the newcomer off contender series, Pierre Rodriguez. And it seemed like Dan, almost exactly what we said here. She has a plan to victory. Will she utilize it? And she ultimately elected not to. Yeah, it, it definitely seems like Piero was just more prepared and focused for to, to fight 15 minutes. And, and Kay, once uh, her main game plan wasn't working perfectly, she was just lost and, and never really went back to plan A. Yeah. The other thing, too, about her getting cut is she did already make a uh, statement on social media saying, I'm only 22 years old. This is just the beginning. So, I do believe we're going to see her in the UFC. For sure. Again. Yeah. And so it's more just going to be kind of like. Some invictive you know, fights yeah. and, and some getting sharper. But yeah, it, it's unfortunate. I lost some money on the system there. Yeah. But uh, definitely we'll see Kay Hansen again. So just in case we don't recap each woman's fight, how did the system do last week, uh, Kobe, betting women's dogs at five unit a pop? Over three. Over Still three. positive on the year, though. There you go. Okay. 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 So yeah, over three last night was not a win or last week was not a women's dogs week, but nonetheless, the science is still real. Also, I guess why we're here, Julio Arce won, uh, beat Daniel Santos and I was all over Julio Arce and Danny was like, eh, kind of like Daniel Santos. And so this is the third time now, not always. It's Santos had his moments. I will say it's not Danny's fault, but this is the third time now I'm, I, come on the podcast and talk about how much I like Arce and then either not bet him or bet the opposite side. So I'm a clown for that. And I'll, I'll eat that. Okay. Santos had his moments, but yeah, let's, let, yeah, let's just, get into that scarf. Yeah. Just I, few and far between. So yeah, wait, let's get into a Linux Vandera first, because not only do we have a very unique submission, obviously Alexio Linux submission, unique is a word that goes with it. It was a neck crank from scarf hold. And I was explaining to someone that night that I was watching with, he was saying that, Oh, what, what's that hold called? What's that hold called? That's a, that is a, uh, I think he said judo hold or something, but it was the scarf hold. And it, it turned into a submission that actually made Vandera start throwing up in the middle of the cage there, which was wild. But what are your takeaways? I mean, I don't remember what we, where we were at, if it was over or under Vandera. Or I was Linux. on Vandera here. Uh, okay. It looked good. It's, I mean, it's a, it's a bet I would, place again for the exact same reasoning he almost had the finish a couple of different times I just don't and I say this a lot there are these guys that come in into the octagon uh like a Ryan Hall like an Alexio Linick like a um uh Paul Craig where every single person in the audience everyone in the stadium at their everyone's coaches the judges everyone knows exactly how they're gonna win how they their only way to win and then for some reason, these guys, their opponents, they grapple with them. And it just makes no sense. And I know that Jared like was landing these hammer fists from on top. But the second you initiate the grappling, you're playing into their game. Why not just stand back up be like, get up, motherfucker, and tee off for another five minutes? Yeah, no. And especially with a guy like Olenek, who's, I mean, he's 70 fights in, 
44, 45 years old. It's like, he's proven to be chinny. Why would you step into his game? And from right, there, it just one, made no sense. And everyone does it. They're all so prideful. And they, they think that, and Jared Bandera has a black belt. Like he, he should be prideful and he worked his ass off to get there. But there are these one trick pony guys that are at the highest level. I mean, props to them at the very highest level with their one game plan, but take it away. Be smarter than the system right. is mixed martial arts for a reason. You don't need to use all of them. You don't, you just don't have to. Right. Performance and bonus so, to Linux. So performance bonus to Linux, and that should be his, that is for my understanding his retirement fight as well. So a phenomenal 60th professional win. What a fucking G. Yeah. Wild. And it, it sounds like he's setting off into the sunset, which is good. I, I mean, he's got a wife and a family and all that stuff and he's just, he's not making a run. He's just too damn old. Okay. This one also is a storyline. Mike Malott beats Mickey Gall via KO um, to ground strikes. A couple reasons of importance. One, we obviously always talk about Mickey Gall being trash. Uh, and if he sticks around and then Mike Malott was making his UFC debut and there was a little bit of a storyline that developed. I don't know if it was in the docket for news and notes, but Malott's close personal friend's daughter uh, developed a rare cancer. And so he, there's a GoFundMe. He didn't, he donated his entire show money to it. Um, and then, so it was a big win, but you also saw a little bit of Mike Malott's character come out as well. So this is more of like a, a storyline within a performance that I wanted to touch on. Do we see Mickey Gall again? I don't think that he was part of the, uh, there was a group of like five or six guys that got cut on Monday. And I think he, that he made it through that exodus. So I guess we'll see him. Ridiculous. Yeah. I, I just, I don't know if it's a personality thing or what, but I mean, he's shown little to nothing of value but nonetheless mike malott phenomenal performance kobe your son over there did he not get a performance bonus nothing wow okay uh, and by the way we've got a ton of bonuses this week with the shibu inu or marshall inu marshall's inu and the crypto.com separate bonuses but i'll okay. hit you up yeah add those in as well so uh pennington beat aspen lad nothing crazy there aspen lad didn't look huge though which was shocking just shows how big pennington truly is for 35 as well um Ian mm -hmm. Gary unimpressively in my opinion beat Darian Weeks and the reason why I'm mentioning this fight I mean it's just unanimous decision and it, it, I, I don't know if you know Ian Gary really completely got off his game plan that he wanted to put but I, the reason why I'm mentioning it is just because Ian Gary is put in that conversation of top 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 level prospects you came in last week saying you have yet to see it for a minus 350 to me, he didn't totally look the part. There were moments in that fight that he either was losing or couldn't implement implement the offense that I you could tell he was trying to implement. So I guess my question on this fight for, for you, Dan, is is this more of your instinct being on Aaron Gary Ian Gary having, you know, not being up to the hype? Or is this more of like a hats off to Darian Weeks? You outperformed what people expected of you. Uh, I, I just saw it as more of like a still not impressed with um, still not impressed with Ian Gary. And I, and maybe we'll see it next fight or, or, or coming in the future, but I didn't see it so much as Darian weeks climbing into my uh, prospect list or anything. Right. I I'm, I'm shocked too. Cause I, 
I, I'm souring on Ian Gary a little bit. And I think that with the right matchup in the future, we might get a nice fade here. Marco Madsen and Vince Pichel, this actually is also going to fuck our ankle lock for the third week in a row. I, I'm, I'm hoping we're still up, Kobe. Please give me the nod that we're still we're up. We're still up by the uh, five-unit metric, 9.78 units. Okay. Yeah, I mean, it's it's been a tough couple of cards since that uh, Colby Covington-Usman card, I believe, with RDA. And a- ever since then, there just has been really hard to find spots and a lot of crazy lines. And Danny and I have these parameters that we need to pick between for the for the uh, lock of the night challenge. So Vince Pichel was our spot. Dan, what went wrong? Why? Because yeah. I was on Pichel too, and I know where I think it might have gone wrong, but I'm confused because Matson to me – I mean, he's 11-0 Olympic wrestler at plus 105 come close, but he got – He still never looked it. And yeah, I don't know. That's, this is one of the fights that I rewatched just yesterday. Um, and first, my first take was two judges having 30-27 scorecards was very confusing to me. I thought the first was a toss-up. It could have gone Pichel's way. And I thought the second was a clear Pichel round. And I, and then obviously Madsen with his control in the third um, took it. And I, I wasn't so whatever ticked off that uh, Madsen won the fight. Cause I agree. I think he did. I just don't know how those 30, 27s got in there, oh, but yeah, back yeah, to your yeah. question of, of Pichelle's game plan and what no, went I, wrong. I agree with you. I, just really quickly. I was going to say, I, I did end up scoring the first row for Madsen and I saw him as the winner, but I agree. 3027s to me. Once I read 3027, I knew we were fucked because of the third round was mm-hmm. for sure. But I agree. That one took me back a little bit as well. I thought Vince executed perfectly there in the second. But yeah, I think it was a lot of overconfidence. Uh, mm-hmm. Vince was landing. Vince was getting success more and more. He was taking the energy away from Mark Madsen. Uh, and he could feel him draining. He even said to his corner man, like, he's gone. I got him. And he almost had the finish. If the second round goes, he had, he had passed uh, Madsen's, he had passed Madsen guard into full mount, um, and had him flattened out. It's it, it's the decision to begin wrestling is really where I start to get confused. And obviously, I know you have to make him respect all of your different avenues and whatnot. But you were having so much success piecing him up and just going into that realm. It's the same kind of thing that I was yelling at my microphone earlier about. Marco Madsen wants to wrestle you. You know he does. He doesn't want to stand in front of you. And um, by just initiating the wrestling, you're doing him a favor. And regardless of if you're successful the first time, if you're successful the first three times, you're doing him a favor in that last one where he gets you down and holds you for four minutes. Right. And last thing on this fight, too, I think the part that got me the most pissed is you mentioned fatigue. The third and final takedown or the third, the takedown in the third round that secured him top control for the rest of the round was the most telegraphed weakest takedown I've ever seen. I mean, if you would have told me that that takedown was shot by an Olympian and secured, I'd say no fucking way. It was, it was lackadaisical. He shot. It was from a, a extreme range and it was telegraphed. And Vince Michelle got into this like cradle position over the top. Couldn't wrap his arms around the hips. And that was it got take got dumped and, and then was on the bottom the rest of the time. So I was, I almost thought that although Madsen was gas i think i think vince might have been more uh to to not only get let that takedown get secured but then he also didn't finish up or get off his feet or get onto his feet for the rest of the round so that was he also adrenaline dumped between rounds which is 
interesting or whatever, but the way he ended that second round and then pushed Madsen away and was talking shit to his coach. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. He, it, like, seems like he, like, kind of got his adrenaline off in there and then was a little bit slower after he got off the stool, which is just unfortunate. Just a We're done shitting on Marco Madsen. He did pick up 20K in Marshallinu bonus, the who, second who bonus. Who decides those? Who decides those? I think it's another voting thing, but I got I to gotta figure that out. Jeez. Okay, well, that's the most – ridiculous 20k bonus i've ever seen i was not impressed by that at all okay mackenzie Dern wins split decision over tisa torres just to keep this short and quick where were your cards and, and any good takeaways um I've, I've really got nothing i agreed with mackenzie yeah. winning it um she didn't look like she's a title contender in this one but she got the I job agree. done stand-up needs work and that's really going to be the ultimate aspect because she had size here and tisha still was able to get off at will and so that's a problem especially when you look up the list of some of the girls ahead of her that she's already fought. Um, Marina Rodriguez, uh, Zhao Yanan. Um, there's, there's a couple girls up there that would just absolutely piece her apart, especially if she gives up size. So at least there's a working point. Also want to mention still that if for whatever reason uh, she becomes available, I'm shooting my shot first. Dibs from the ankle pick boys. Okay. Or if she's got availability next week, we'd love to talk to her about her fight. Yeah, if I can keep it in my if I can keep my head out of it for a little bit, that I'm in. Okay. Kamsat Chamaya fights Gilbert Burns. And this one is, I mean, they probably brought home all three of the fucking bonuses. But yeah, keep me on my toes. Should I just go through them real quick? Go for yeah, it. Yeah, how much extra cash did they take home? Fight of the night, 50k each from the UFC. Burns got awarded his win money from Dana. Fuck yeah. Hamzat oh, huh? got picked up the 30k crypto.com bonus. And Gilbert picked up the 40k Marshall Eno bonus, and Hamza picked up 10k Marshall Eno bonus. Poha to those, oh, brothers. right? And then I also want to mention something quick. I got a so I have the Gilbert Burns one of one, it's in the ankle pick safe. Don't worry about that. And it's a Gilbert Burns one of one prism. And someone shot me an offer before fight, and I declined it because you know I really thought Gilbert was actually going to get, get off here. Here's my debate that I've been debating with a lot of my people in the, in the card community. Did my card gain value even though he lost? What's the opinion? 100%. The yeah. name value of Gilbert Burns has never been higher, even when he fought for a belt. I agree. I agree. This fight was a bigger fight than that Kamaru fought. fight. I also saw a quick picture going around on Instagram that I thought was hilarious. It was Gilbert Burns with like 15 or 20 UFC championship belts, and the caption was, Gilbert Burns, if the jab didn't exist, and I, 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 I laughed pretty hard there. <laughs> no, but what an awesome fight by both yeah. guys. I think we learned a lot. One that Hamzad is the real deal and that this wasn't too much yeah. too fast, which, it, which is crazy. I mean, um, he's, it's, he's it's, comfortable with the top of the division. I think he was the real, I think he is the real deal, but I do think that he proved that he is beatable dana said oh, for it sure we definitely learned beatable. also that yeah comes out as a bunch of holes especially in that stand-up with the boxing defense, with yeah, the yeah, hand yeah. speed um with the hit hand ability speed big. hand speed was big too yeah no mm -hmm. he got he got dropped in that fight and that's something that i mean going for three ufc fights or four ufc fights being hit twice the good news though is he proved to everybody that if he ever gets into a position where he needs to dig deep he's more than capable of doing so definitely he, he looked more but, fatigued going into the third and he willed out and he got dropped at the end of the second so hats off to kamaru 100 the last takeaway i had from this is that 
I think that there's still a big red flag on his um, gas tank. Uh, like you said, he was a little bit gas going into yeah. the third. I think guys like Kamaru and Colby uh, over a five round fight will really take it to him in those championship rounds. But um, I mean, obviously this was a three round fight, so it, he could prepare completely differently and solve those issues. But from what I saw from here, he's going to have a lot of troubles against those yeah, two. A couple other quick rounds. things too is a he's he's young, so we're going to slowly figure out more where his weight class lies because he might be a natural eighty five er, which will help with that cardio. Two, um, the the uh, Gilbert Burns was calling for a five round me- rematch, and he wasn't saying I want it next. Or I he understood. He literally said in his direct quote, "He's like, I know Colby's next. I know if uh, if he wins that, he's gonna get a shot at Kamaru. All this stuff. But I want my five round fight with him. Do we see Gilbert Chemaev's two? Gilbert's thirty five years old." Do we get yeah, that's that's the thing I was going to mention is it's it's all on Gilbert. I think yeah. that Hamza definitely has the opportunity to give it to him. It's all about where Gilbert's at as a fighter in his career when Hamza has that opportunity. Yeah. If Hamza gets his wish and is as active as he wants to be and gets Colby this year and maybe Kamaru at the end of the year or the yeah. beginning, beginning of 2023, yeah. then we could see it maybe even this time next year. But yeah. um, it, it's, it's hard. I mean, there's, Hamzad is a little bit of a mythical fighter with how much he wants to fight a regular a lot, champion. A Gilbert lot of questions, never get that opportunity. a lot of questions too, because is Gilbert going to fight again? Does he fall out and, and being 35 years old, but man, and you see how far it goes off. I know this is going to be news and notes and we're going to drag this one quick too, but Marlon Marais retiring at 33. It shows that you can go from the top of the mountain at 31 to retiring at 33, which is crazy. Right. All it's right, that moving quick. Along, moving along split decision in the main event. I scored it for Jan. I'm going to come out there right now and say it, but I'm not mad that Aljo got the decision. For me, 2-3, clearly Aljo. You could argue a 10-8 in the second. To me, Piotr Jan clearly won the fourth and the fifth. The question was the first round. I scored first for Piotr, but if someone told me it was a draw because the uh, second round was 10-8, that also wouldn't have upset me. Where was your card? And, and And then more importantly, what's next for each fighter? Because what's rumored is, Stern's going to take, or Sterling's going to take TJ Dillashaw. Jan's going to have to fight someone in the, in the meantime. So I heard Aldo thrown around in there too, for the, for the belt. For the, okay. For a direct shot, not to fight Jan. Real quick before Danny goes, Jan, not Sterling picked up the 10 K crypto.com bonus. That is remarkable. (laughs) That is. And then that's another whole storyline that I'm, we're going to avoid on today's episode, but maybe we do a YouTube uh, on it or something, but the storyline around Jan is, or I mean, Sterling is Dana said Sterling, he didn't score the fight for Sterling. Sterling came in as this fake champ and, and everyone was kind of dogging him and he performed as a plus 400 dog. And he's still, still not getting the love as the undisputed champ. It's something I've never seen before. Right. He it's executed a perfect game plan and somehow is, is less likable. Uh, but to it's answer your question, Reese, I scored it for Elgin. I gave him that first round. Um, I thought that I thought I, I was wrong. I thought Piotr was going to start faster. And when he didn't, when he really, I think he was through less than 10 strikes in that first round. I thought that he was kind of letting him start from behind and, and Aljo picked up on that and was like, all right, I need one takedown in the next round and one takedown following. And this is my fight. Um, I thought I, that's really all I have to say. I thought it was an expert oh, game plan from yeah. Aljo. I thought that if it was a street fight, Piotr won, but that, that's just not how 
No, it's not. Nine the thing that concerned goes. me too is for the two rounds that Aljo had him backpack, there were two things that bothered me. One is something we've talked about a couple times here is just he wasn't being offensive. He didn't really advance his position from that spot. But that's not a big deal. He clearly won the round. That was more why I didn't give him a 10-8. The other thing, though, is what concerned me about Jan's performance is he got backpacked in the second round and controlled for about three, three and a half minutes. The fact that he allowed that to happen again in the third is what concerned me. Because mistakes happen, and one small thing where at this championship level gets capitalized, you can be in a compromising position. But letting that happen twice, that shows a hole in some aspect of his grappling game, whether it's defensive grappling or the way he's pushing his offense, whatever it is. But that's I saw the- it as just another hole in his fight IQ. This guy can't seem to get out of his own way. I see that yeah. he has all the tools. I see that he can stuff the takedowns when, it, when he wants to. And I see that he's got the striking and the boxing and, and everything. It's, he can't get out of his own way. Yeah, and it's a problem because – at these championship levels, if you make the smallest mental mistake, it'll be capitalized. And you saw that here with it was Sterling twice. Okay, last fight, main event. Let's try to keep it short and quick. I, the, I mean, Volkanovski pretty much put it to him from start to finish. It was a finish, uh, standing TKO. The ref kind of jumped in and saw enough, reasonably so. Wasn't mad about the stoppage. It, Korean Zombie had nothing for him. I think my over three and a half was mad about the stoppage, but oh, as it should be. That's a yeah. tough scene. But it just shows a couple of things here. One, Volkanovsky is really is that dude. He is just absolutely incredible. He embodies everything you want out of a champion. Um, that's one. Two, I think that it shows that what we've been saying time and time again is the top maybe one or two guys Volk. And then I, I, I put Holloway on this tier with him, but after that, it is a huge decline. And you saw it when Holloway fought cater, you saw it here tonight, you see it over and over again. I guess you can put Ortega in that top tier, but after that, there's a huge decline and, and featherweight has just, I mean, if someone's going to want to take this from Volkanovsky, it's going to be next to impossible. It's hard. He's just too smart. Two, he executes his game plan perfectly. His conditioning's incredible. His heart is incredible. His skill sets are incredible. The dude's just incredible. Not to jump around too much, but we, excuse me, but we've got this Friday uh, the one forty-five pound strap for Bellator up for grabs. The guy yeah. we interviewed, AJ McKee, a guy who is by my accounts as talented as anyone. Do you think he has a shot against that elite tier that you're talking about? I think if he was in the UFC when Michael Chandler moved, I said no, he's not. I put AJ McKee with those guys and that's not even him coming on the show and being an ankle picker. That's the truth from what I've seen of him. I would say that he would easily compete with the Ortegas, the Holloways, whether he wins, that's something that remains to be seen and we won't know until it happens. Awesome. I, I would agree. put him. I just wanted to. Yeah. And I think there's a lot and quickly before we move to news and notes, I think there's a lot of that in the UFC where, uh, or I mean in Bellator where, a couple, I think Vadim Nemkov, who's also fighting this weekend, if he moved to the UFC, he could hold gold too. I think that the Bellator roster, although it might be extremely top heavy, those top guys really could compete with the best in the world, which, for example, PFL, you don't see. The champions in PFL get mowed in the UFC. Bellator's really got a lineup there. Apart from what's her name, maybe. Oh, yeah. Uh, 
Kyla Harrison or whatever. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. So that's going to close the books on 273. Volk retains. Real quick. Remaining bonuses. Volk picked up 20K from crypto.com and the remaining performance bonus as well from UFC. Okay. And I don't know if that's, this is related to that crypto.com or whatever, but uh, my UFC strike reward got sorted out and it's Volkanovsky. So fuck yeah. Wait, so what, wait, so what, so what did you get? You got a, is I'm it a, getting a, what's it called? A fandom moment NFT of Volkanovsky's victory this past week against Korean zombie. Okay. Hey, cool. I went on to try to get mine and I had way too many to to qualify. So fuck. Um, but Hey, that's a long-term hold. I don't that's care. what they call TTQ. Too many to Too many to baby. Um, okay, so that's going to close the books on 273. Let's jump right into news and notes here. Yeah, this um, will kind of merge it actually perfectly, but yeah, post-fight, not necessarily post-fight, but this week, Volk has kind of talked about potentially moving up to 155 and challenging that lightweight strap. And then there's also that question about Cejudo coming back. Um, I know That's he, part of here, too. He just entered USADA yeah. testing pool. So I mean, And, and kind of called out Volk. What I do know is Volk's stance is very firm here that Cejudo's not going to come in test and just instantly challenge for the 45 strap obviously if Dana White demands it we'll see but Volkanovsky seems adamant that Cejudo needs to at least fight someone else at 45 to prove that he can do it or get a couple fights at 35 or 25 before he just comes right in and tries to take Volk's strap which I like but yeah yeah, interesting dynamic I'd love to see him at 55 too. I think that Volk can fight with anyone. I, I don't know because I just don't know how it would go. I think he'd do well just because of how smart of a fighter he is. Um, I'm just curious if he like he could get caught by uh, Oliveira in the first round. And I wouldn't be surprised either. You know, yeah. in a former rugby life, Volk was clocking in at 210. Oh, yeah. That's my favorite. And the picture. I mean, too. he's fought oh. at heavyweight. He, he's got wins at, up at heavyweight, down he at does. 145. He's crazy. His only loss in, in his entire mixed martial arts record was either 170 or 205 or like 185, which is just fucking hilarious. Um, but yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna insert in the video editing, I'm gonna insert picture of 220 Volkanovsky here. So I'm gonna pop that in. The 220 picture of Volkanovsky at rugby is just an all-timer. He's just a head on a rock. He's a unit. <laughs> All right, we mentioned it, but I'll let you guys have a chance here to give your flowers to Marlon Marais retiring at 33. Yeah, I made a tweet uh, on the Ankle Pick Pod, so as always, go follow over there. To it's just you know heck of a career. I think it got overshadowed by what happened at, in most recently, but he was a title challenger, won the first round against Cejudo, like we mentioned, and then he also has one of the I think it might have been knockout of the year at the time, um, a head kick on Aljo, the now champion. So. You know, anyone who's saying Marlon Marais is trash or Marlon Marais is this, he's a hell of a fighter. And I think. I mean, he almost even won his last fight out there against one of the top prospects in Marab. Yeah. This is, it just goes to show you how ticky tacky, how, how crazy this sport can be highest of highs, lowest of lows in in it, the smallest of time. Yeah. I just hope he stays around the sport, whether it's coaching or um, being a cornerman for, some fighters in his gym or whatever, but he's got a lot to give still in this sport. I'm excited to see that next chapter. All right. We mentioned Kay Hansen cut a few more to mention Alex Oliveira. Yeah. I mean, Dan saw this one coming. Yeah. I, I was a year or two early on this one. Sad. We can't continue to fade him, but another legend just 
guy that I've really enjoyed watching fight. Yeah, and he's a guy who's put together some awesome, awesome fights in the UFC. But, I mean, in a sport this demanding, every year is just so taxing. And that also, Dan, is why this performance out of Gilbert Burns this weekend is just that remarkable. Because Mm -hmm. it shows you that 33-year-old Gilbert Burns probably gets it done. I mean, honestly, 31-year-old Gilbert Burns gets it done and so it's 31 year old gilbert burns is getting knocked out by dan hooker i I knew you were gonna say it i literally knew you were gonna say it. like as i was saying it i'm like dan's gonna bring up hooker i literally asked you going on my mouth in the back of my head i'm like dan's about to bring up hooker all right one more pink slip not so surprising chase sherman dude he's been he's gotten that pink slip before they just have a rebill on just recurring back to his house the dude look he returned to center Dude, he just cannot fight, man. I mean, he like he fought in a bare knuckle, and I think he even lost there. He might have won there, but like when you put him against the UFC caliber guys, he has nothing for him. So I wish nothing but the best for Chase Sherman, but for his long term health, I think this is probably pretty good for him. Yep. More exciting news: UFC returning to the UK in July. Liverpool's rumored. Very cool. I wonder if they'll do the what Patty's asked for and and um, whatever go into Liverpool Stadium there do a stadium event. Do you know what they will do though, Darren Till with Hamzad in his corner. I mean, bet you bottom dollar on that. Love that. Maybe Hamzad um, Colby there. Hey, dude, that that could happen. That hey, don't write that off. If they do a pay per view there, you get Hamzad Colby, Darren Till at at middleweight with. Uh, then Hamza can't be in his corner, though. But still, that would be a fun night. Moving on to fight announcements and scheduling. We have Zaleski Dos Santos out this week. Munir Lazez is now fighting Angelusa, the guy who trained with Usman. That was okay. a, a contender series guy. Dare I say country club Marab? Question mark. He's got to get his spot on the weekly pod. So, I mean. Man. The other thing, too, quickly about the Marab and what happened this week is I don't know what he's going to do from here. It's very similar to Cain Velasquez and Daniel Cormier, where Daniel Cormier went to light heavyweight just so Cain can take the keeps the heavyweight strap and they didn't want to fight. I don't know what Marab's going to do about fighting Aljo at 35. It, it won't happen, I don't think. We have, let's see where are we at. Roman Kopilov out, not this week, but next week. Jordan Wright now fighting Marc-Andre Berrialt, and that's going to be a catchweight 190. Interesting. MAB up at 190. That surprises me. Aaron Blanchfield and J.J. Aldrich scheduled for June 4th. Yeah, quick turnaround time for J.J. there. That was my only takeaway. She just came off a loss here and is going to take a tougher opponent. Interesting. Blanchfield's going to smoke her. Yeah, it won't be close. The line's going to be minus 500. That's going to be the uh, country club. Book it now. That's going to be the team omit from the, the science because that science is going to get it. That's going to be a new team of hammer Aaron Blansfield at opening price. Right. Yeah, yeah. We got to get on those opening lines. Three weeks in advance. We'll, we'll put a note in the calendar. All right. Um, Cody Dernan, JP buys June 18th. So you, Wait, yeah. Dan, I've got a good take on this one. Yeah, the, the same take that it's just – they're. They're putting him on the same card as um, Delize. How do you put JP Buys on the same card as Delize? Who, who, How savage is that? Cheyenne Mary Vlismos. Dude, that is the most savage thing out of Maynard and White I've ever seen in my entire life. They're going to have like a WWE style fight in the locker room. And like, I don't know what they're going to do there, but it's 
for those who don't know the story really quickly, Delete say home wreck JP buys and Shannon buys. She changed her name to Shannon Velismus because they got a divorce. And the whole reason why they got the divorce is because Delete say uh, played home wrecker in that. So they threw JP buys and Delete say on the same card. And there's no way that that just gets, you know, brushed under the rug. Reese, first time I'm going to get to tell you, but clip that chat. Yeah, clip that chat. Seriously, we're going to get that out there. That's crazy. Also on that card, Demir Ismagulov and Garanj Kutateladze. Fun fight. That's got uh, Dan written all over it. I, I don't like Demir. On, I, I like Guram in that fight. Even though that even though he's been off for a long time and, and has really only showed that one fight, um, Demir, it's a bad turnaround after getting knocked out um, in Houston. The following week, two fights to announce. Chris Curtis and Hadolfo Vieira. Fun one. Oh, wow. Is Chris Curtis going to wrestle Adolfo? Is the action man going to go there? But I'm glad to see that Adolfo's back and healthy. That was my big takeaway from that announcement. And then we've also got Neil Magny, Shavka Rachmanov. I saw a funny tweet, too. It was – I wish I could give credit. I don't remember who tweeted it, but it was – no, no one wants to take the fight. And then a picture of Gilbert Burns. And, and then the same thing, Dana White's like, no one wants to take the fight. And then a picture of Neil Magny. Those two are, will fight anyone. Also, I want to correct myself. I can't think of who it was, but it was some other Kazakhstan fighter, not Demir Ismagulov, that got knocked out in Houston. Yeah, it was the guy we faded against. Uh, Mor- Morozov. No, it's not Morozov. It's Sergey Morozov Sergey- that got knocked out. But we're thinking about the guy that was... Uh, Tagir Ulanbekov. Yeah, that's the guy. Yeah. Nice job, though, Kobe. You were not wrong. It was just no, wait. the right one. I think it was Morozov. They both got Morozov. knocked out in their last fights. I just, I guess I don't it know. It was Morozov. Kobe's right. That's what hey, I'm saying. That's the casual. Not casual. You can't even take that if you wanted to. You're too deep into this. The fact that you can name Tagir Ulanbekov tells me, or, or the fact that you can name Sergey Morozov, you ain't no casual. All right, two more, both July 16th. Dustin Jacoby, Daun Jung, and then Asker Askarov and Alex Perez. Okay. All fun ones. Asker needs a bounce yeah. back. Yeah. And then for me, this is just news because I know that, like, there's, like, the modern and then the old school, and I've just been – I love the old school stuff still. So seeing guys that I grew up watching or that I've – been a fan of for a long time getting their time in the sun uh cub swanson is inducted in the ufc hall of fame which i think is beyond well deserving for anyone really recent they only know cub swanson is either you know getting standing guillotine by ortega or not having or getting giga kicked to the liver or whatever it is but he um he's a guy that fought in the wec and really pioneered this sport from the beginning. And so hats off to Cub Swanson. I've been a big fan of his for a very long time. So that I'm really uh, happy to see that he gets his recognition and, and well-deserved congrats on the hall of fame. Yeah. Big Cub time. Swanson's a guy who's on my quintet ultra poster. Yeah. Legend. That's awesome. There you go. Value gained. Um, also really quickly, one thing I, I was doing this way more before, but I want to um, keep doing it. So this week you have to look forward to a couple of things. So we have a disgusting Bellator card tomorrow. Um, Bellator 277 with the title fights we just mentioned, AJ McKee, and then also um, 
Vadim Nemkov is fighting. So that's at the end of the Grand Prix. Vadim Nemkov versus Corey Anderson, correct? Yeah, Corey Anderson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's a stacked card. And then right after that, about an hour after, LFA 129 starts. Whether that's a sick card or not, I don't know. And then you got UFC the next day. So a lot of you, a uh, lot of mixed martial arts to watch. If you're, if you, if you know, if you like that kind of thing, which if you're listening to this, you do. Anything else, Country Club, for news and notes? Nothing. Preview time. Cool. Let's get into it. So we got UFC preview for Luke Muhammad too. We mentioned a little bit. Danny and I were talking about how this probably won't be the longest preview because this is a card that trash. Is, it's going to be mixed. It's. I knew you were going to say trash because you told me it was trash earlier. It, I, there are some fights that I'm excited about. They just happen to be few and far between. But let's start with a a teased ink lock. And I, I don't know if it's official or not, but Alatang Haley or Alatang Haley is fighting Kevin Kroom <laughs> in the curtain jerker. Yes. All those, everything I said is correct. And Alatang Haley is minus 170. Kevin Kroom is plus 150. And Dan looks me dead in the eyes about an hour ago and says, Kevin Kroom, curtain jerker, dog money, ink lock. So. Yeah. Um, so Altang Haley, despite having the better strength of schedule and despite Kevin Kroom not being the best fighter we've, we've shat on him before, um, is going to be so much bigger than Haley in this. He's going to have a seven-inch reach advantage. Um, he's going to have, what, a six-inch height advantage. And this isn't woman's straw weight we're talking about. These are men. They're going to go out there and bang. It's not like Alatang I expect to have a crazy volume either. I don't see that he has crazy knockout power, that he's some dominant wrestler. Uh, I think Kroom's going to go out there and scrap and just be a physical problem for Haley Alatang. Um, and I think that it's a big, gr- good sign that uh, Kroom's going to have a full camp here with James Krause to come up with a game plan to really use his size and use his range and hurt Haley Alatang. I, I, I think this is wrongly lined, and I will be placing Kevin Kroom um, probably for more than one unit. There we go. I My main takeaway was the strength of schedule, Dan, which you mentioned. But outside, from my taping, there wasn't anything that I – strongly felt in Kroom's advantage. The Roosevelt Roberts fight ended too quickly, but it was a smart IQ play. It's more just like, I didn't see enough out of him. And then the other two fights, obviously not only did he lose, but not the highest quality of opponents, but the, the line is, is all we're here for is the value. So whether it's an ankle lock or not, we'll see, but Kroom at the dog price, you can safely play according to Dank Wager. Sam Hughes is fighting Estella Nunes. The last thing I really quick. Wait, what? wait for the weigh-in because this is Kroom's like second or third time going down to bantam weight, usually a featherweight. It plays into the size, but wait for the weigh-in. Make sure you can do it. There you go. So yeah, if he's really sucked out, and we'll make a tweet if he is or not, or you'll see if Dank Wade is officially on it. But if he's super sucked out, might not be worth it. Okay, Estella Nunes is minus two twenty-five here, Dan against Sam Hughes, and the line opened at two ten. So no crazy movement whatsoever. It's actually gone back and forth, but it's finally settled in around 225. What do you got here? I mean, it's, it's, is this science? Is this nothing doing? I mean, for me, this is a pass for me. I'm not looking to jump on the dog. Uh, Nunez, very capable striker. And I don't believe Sam Hughes is just going to go and out wrestle her for 15 minutes. 
So I, I tend to think that it's lined appropriately, but um, maybe a parlay piece come down the line. Pass for right now. Okay. Trey Ogden, stepping in on short notice, as previously mentioned, is fighting against Jordan Levitt. And the short notice aspect of it hankered my taping a little bit, not crazy. Ogden is minus 140, Jordan Levitt plus 120. The opening line was Jordan Levitt minus 155. And when I mean, Dan, it instantly got hit. I mean, it opened and books instantly were told you're wrong and they flip-flopped it. So a lot of action came in on Ogden. Ogden now sitting at the reverse favorite at minus 150 or 140, but might as well, 150 and some other books. So, I mean, Trey Ogden, a guy who fights out of glory MMA um, with James Krause probably will be in his corner. And on the other side, you got Jordan Levitt, who's shown mixed things in the UFC. Lost to Claudio Puelles, but also finished Matt Sales and, and dominantly finished Matt Wyman in his, in his UFC debut. So, are you at the line open with Vegas or are you liking where the Sharps have taken this thing? I'm leaning where it moved. Obviously I respect Jordan's jits, um, but he's pretty lost on the feet. He kind of has got like a Ryan Hall game plan where he's awkward and hard to hit. But if you hit him, he's chinny. Um, it's an interesting stylistic matchup for him though, because Ogden is a mainly a grappler. It's I'm looking at his record though. It, it, he's kind of hit or miss because he's got a lot of, um sub victories but three of his four losses are also by submission so it's very much a, a diana's sword kind of grappler but and i think that I, as long as he can sprawl and brawl here and um keep levitt from grappling with him and then really stay on the feet i think it's his fight to lose just because of how lost levitt is when they're standing yeah and i wanted to add that levitt especially that wyman fight his jits is his his strong point but he also can wrestle too so it'll be interesting to see if because they both have a grappling uh, foundation, does this stay on the feet? And if it does, Dan, you're dead on the mark. Ogden's going to smoke him up there. So it'll be interesting to see if Levitt can execute his offense or not, and that will determine the outcome of this fight. I'm with you in leaning towards Ogden. Heavyweight bout at 265. Chris Barnett is making the cut again. It's Chris Barnett versus Martin Boudet. And... Uh, Martin Boudet is minus 230. Chris Barnett plus 190. Line opened at Boudet minus 140 and has yeah. gotten absolutely destroyed. Now, what really quickly, what's interesting about this one versus the Levitt fight is the Levitt fight got instantly destroyed and bumped in, in inverse. This one has been a little bit more gradual. It slowly has seen more and more action that is bringing it farther and farther to uh, the bidet side, I would, I would say almost every day or every other day it moved um, five cents and then five cents again and five cents again. And so action is seemingly coming on in a more steady pace, but all landing on bidet. Yeah, this is ultimately one I'm probably going to stay away from. I would have loved the bidet at, at 40. Yeah. Yeah. Minus 140. Uh, we've talked about Chris Barnett before. He's a short heavyweight that has to cut the heavyweight. His striking's legit. <laughs> But that's kind of the only legit thing about his fight game. Um, he's fun to watch, but Boudet's size should be way too much for him. And um, I think Boudet is just going to have no problems. Yeah, I, I'm with you. I think right over that 200 mark is where they lost me. But at 140, I mean, because Barnett is getting that treatment of, oh, he just highlight knocked out Jan Vellante. But, but it's Jan Vellante. It. It's Jan Vellante, exactly. And so... Uh, I think bidet, there's a lot of unknowns. And so 
I, I think that Boudet could be a good parlay piece, um, but it's going to be tough to just straight add. He definitely has the size advantage. He's coming off contender series. So his only loss actually is against, I don't know if he's still in the US, uh, UFC, but Juan Espinino. He's got to be. Juan Espino is not going anywhere. That guy's a great guy. I agree, but I also haven't seen him in years, so who knows. We saw him fight Romanov, which was just a bad matchup for him, but I don't – I mean, I'm going to be sad if he's gone. I like uh, He's probably still lot. there, too, because he he was came off ultimate fighter, too, so he's got that double, like, Dana good graces. While Dan looks that up, Rafa Garcia is taking on Jesse Ronson at 155. And Rafa Garcia is minus 110. Jesse Ronson is minus 110. And this opened at Rafa Garcia minus 160. And then again, just a steady decline towards close, which is what's so interesting here. I, so, Dan, I mean, we know what Rafa brings. I mean, we, we uh, I don't know if we wrote him recently against Natan Levy, but he won in, in Natan Levy's debut off Contender Series. But then again, I know we did ride him against Gritzmacher, and he lost that one. Um, and then also awful. losing, yeah, looked awful. On the other side, though, you got a 36-year-old coming in and making his uh, UFC debut. So it's it's actually not his UFC debut. This Since is a guy. Yeah, this is a guy that had like. I mean, he he. I was I was listening to. Um, some interview with a station from Ontario or an interviewer from Ontario. He's some Canadian MMA legend. I mean, I know I've seen him fight, but he's his first UFC stint. Listen to how bad of management you must have had to come in in 2013. And your first three fights are Michelle Prezeres, Francisco Trinaldo, and Kevin Lee. And then what? immediately pink slip all three split decisions. Yeah, the split decisions, all three split decisions. But so, so we had that UFC sit in 2013, 2014, three split decisions against three brutally tough men. Goes on to the regional scene, though, and starts, I mean, 30 and three. That can't be that bad of a loss. Um, but loses some questionable ones. Starts TKOing guys again um, on a, a promotion I really haven't heard of. And then gets up to PFL, loses both of his PFL fights, wins it in BTC nine, and now is is here. And so, body snatched Dolby. Looked freaking awesome. Oh, he awesome. did. You're right. He most recently fought Dolby in the UFC, so it's not even his debut. I don't even know what the fuck I'm talking. Overturned because of some cush, but uh, completely smoked and then rear naked choke Nicholas Dolby as like a, a big dog, I think, as a plus two forty five dog. Wow. So so. It sounds like you're on Ronson, but I can't tell. I'm very much leaning Ronson. I'm excited okay. about Ronson. I've got sour taste in my mouth about Garcia. Uh, I see him as a wrestler with no cardio, very limited striking. I think that Ronson's more well-rounded, but none of his skills are at a really high UFC level, uh, while Rafa's got that high-level wrestling. So I'm not super excited about it. I wish I was getting a better number or like where it opened. But I think that Jesse Ronson is going to have a lot more tools in his tool belt that he can use. Mm. Yeah. So Sharps again just hammered it towards Ronson. They see what you see. Next fight, Drakkar Close coming back into the octagon. Have not seen him in a fat minute, and he's fighting Brandon Jenkins coming back. He just recently fought at like a plus whatever the fuck dog five hundred or something. Um, but again, Brandon Jenkins is the bookmakers are just like, you are fucked. My friend minus 700 for Drakkar close plus 500 for Brandon Jenkins opened up at Drakkar close minus two sixty. 
So this is a fight where I really want to to. I, I, I think that I have some really strong takes, um, but I'm probably going to end up staying super far away from it. Jenkins is very much not UFC quality. Uh, he made Rong Zhu look like a freaking Dagestani, like a guy, like an Olympian wrestler, like a guy that, like, like the prospect that we thought he was when we know that Rong Zhu is not. Brandon Jenkins is just not there. Close, this is his first time back since uh, that Jeremy twenty incident. Oh, the push between Wayans. You're yeah, right. Yeah, so, so the push after Wayans, and he was speaking this week that he's still feeling the effects of that injury and that his, his equilibrium is off sometimes, um, like randomly. And so it seems like he's just in a bad spot mentally, physically since that push. I I, I don't know. It, it's a spot where I want to fade a guy who's minus 700 and a big dog on the other side, but man, does Brandon Jenkins suck. Right. So I'm really not excited about laying on either so, of these sides. These are both sides I'm looking to fade. Um, so what you have here is you have a win over Bobby Green, a win over Christos Gagos, a loss to Bedell Dariush, overhand left knockout, canceled bout against Jai Herbert, canceled bout against Luis Pena, Canceled bout against Jeremy Stevens, insert incident. And that was in April. So exactly a year ago to the day almost. It happened 417. He's fighting 416, 2022. So and he says he's still feeling ago. the effects, which is is scary to me. Yeah. And so you have a guy. The problem is though, he really is that much better. 34 years old, though, hasn't been in the octagon for two years, has an injury. You're not wrong by thinking Bubba Jenkins could be value. The problem is, though, Dan, is like you said, it's Bubba freaking Jenkins. Yeah, he just sucks. The only way you're going to get that price, though, plus 500, it's an interesting spot. Maybe plus, maybe you get a little more on the finish. I don't know. Potential. But I like your thinking, Dan. I really do. I don't disagree with that. Okay, two. Um, I think this is Swedish. Uh but a Denmark or whatever the fuck, whatever their flags are the same. I don't know what fucking flag it is. It's not the Denmark flag, but they claim it's Denmark. So I don't fucking know. Um, Sweden. Sweden. That's what I said. Okay. It's, it's Lena, Lena elbow queen Landsberg versus Piene Kianzad. And the line is crazy here. And I know that because I have a bet on this fight. Um, but before we get there, the line here to a T at this moment is Lena Landsberg plus three thirty. Piene Kianzad minus 410. Line opened at uh, Piene Kianzad minus 300. Lena Landsberg plus 220. I mean, 250. Yeah, Piene should be able to get this done as the line suggests. Um, I'm not looking to ride her. Um, I'm not, pause. <laughs> I'm, not, I'm not also looking to uh, pass this. I think, I think this is fine for the science to play it just because Piene's not some elite ridiculousness person but i think she should be able to handle lena here pretty easily so i actually got P uh pene kianza at minus 335 that was earlier this week um i think tuesday and so i like that a lot better yeah so i got closing line value i don't disagree like i'm not betting at 400 i should have tweeted it out that's on me um i don't think it's bettable anymore 3.30, I, I wanted to sink my teeth into. And then all of a sudden, the line took off too. So maybe people follow my bet slips. And the second I take it, all of a sudden, the public's all over it. Who knows? But so 
yeah, that that's out of reach now, but I do like Piana Kianza to force her game plan and she should be able to win this one relatively easily. Last prelim, prelim main event or, or capper, if you will. And holy shit, we got a six fight main card, but we got Devin Brown Bear Clark fighting William Knight. And the line is Devin Clark. We were talking about a pre-fight. Devin Clark minus 170, William Knight plus 155, or 175, then William uh, Knight plus 155. And here's the problem. I, this fight I think is going to be phenomenal. I love Devin Clark. He has fought guys similar to William Knight. He can implement his game plan. He he knows how to avoid guys who, who lean on bombs. The problem is I don't believe that Devin Clark is going to be able to get William Knight to the ground. So it's going to be a lot of clinch game. It's going to be a lot of wearing him out over the three rounds. This fight's taking place at 265, which is new for them as well. They usually both fight at 205. So I know William Knight missed weight at 205 and Devin Clark probably is just like, fuck it, I'm in. But you're looking at two light heavyweights fighting at heavyweight, both looking, both can wrestle, both, you know, so it, it, the matchup is the problem. I think that if you really want to take a side here, the, um, never mind, the line's not great. I was thinking live over two and a half, but minus 160 is not great there. I, I don't know if there's a spot here, Dan. So I like Devin Clark a lot. Um, if the weigh-in goes the way that I want it well, to go. go so you mentioned the, the 265. That's what I was going to say. So when you mean the weigh-in goes what you want, what do you mean by that? Like Devin so, within 10 pounds of William Knight? Yes, that, that's really exactly what I'm saying. Um, I think that Clark is the much better fighter. We just saw yeah. William Knight look awful against Maxim Grishin. I think that Clark would be a favorite against Grishin. Uh, I know you can't always do that MMA math, but I think Devin Clark, if this was at 205 would smoke William Knight. If William Knight comes out there and is 20 pounds heavier than Devin Clark, you're, you're right, Reese. He's not going to be able to, Clark's not going to be able to take him down. It's just not a task that it's going to happen. But I think if they're similar weight, if, if Devin's within 10, maybe even within 15, I'm willing to go of uh, William Knight. I think that Devin's going to be able to put on a wrestling clinic and really just piece up William Knight with some ground and pound and also some clinch work and, and just, strikes on the exits and, and whatnot. I'm worried about William just being a freaking bottom heavy weight and uh, you're not being able to knock it over. Yeah, it'll be interesting. The 265 definitely throws a wrench in a lot of what we're looking to do. The other thing too, that's really nice. Devin Clark has proven to struggle on the mat as far as submissions go. And that's something that William Knight is not bringing to the table. So that part makes it even that much easier to back Devin Clark for versus a guy like instead Anthony Smith, for example, who will take his neck right. home with him, like we saw. Okay, main card. Uh Ange Lusa. Did I say that right? Angelusa. Angelusa, who we have seen in the UFC before, is fighting Munir Lazez. And oh no, so we saw him in contender series. I take that back against Jack Della Madalena. So he hasn't officially fought in the UFC yet but went back to the regional scene picked up a win and and then they realized jack della madalena is a tough draw for your contender series we'll bring you in anyways and his win in the in the um in on the regional scene is over former ufc talent in yeah. john howard yeah and good good mention good mention and then he's fighting munir lozez here who uh Obviously, I, I think you said, yeah, there's a super short notice bout because Ezekiel's uh, or 
Elise Zaleski, shit, man, uh, dropped out. So short notice bout here. The line is going to be uh, Munir Laziz, Lazez minus 200, Ange Lusa plus 170. Yeah, and I think a lot of that is just because we haven't seen Munier since that first fight where um, – or, or we've only seen him get smoked since that first fight where Abdul Razak Al-Hassan kind of ran out of gas. And since then, getting smoked by Warley Alves is a pretty big favorite is not a good look. Um, Angelusa is coming in super fresh, having gotten that win that we just talked about only 12 days ago. Um, and, and then also just – Sanford MMA is all over this card and the last card. I, I'm assuming that he was a part of the Gilbert camp. I'm assuming he was part of Luque's camp. I'm assuming he's part of Fialo's camp. Um, just getting a lot of a lot of great looks en route to his, his one fight night, April 2nd, and then now this next card. Um, I think that if you're playing this fight, you got to go with the dog. Neither guy is proven. Uh, one guy has a little bit more name value because he's busted up a hype train before. But I, I, I just don't put a lot of weight on that win anymore. It's, it's Abdul Razak Al-Hassan is proven to be really easy to beat if you follow the rules. You know, it's awesome too, Dan. People agree with you. The line opened at Lazez minus 250 and it's now steamed all the way down to 200. So seemingly not only does the Sharp community agree, Dogger Pass, uh, but you and I also agree that if you're going to f- put a play here, uh, Lusa is the only way to really do it. And Jack Della Maddalena, Kobe, we've we've all talked about how awesome he looks. Yeah, that's a tough and draw. Bad draw on your contender series fight. Great looks fighting the whole fight looking great. Clipping him a couple times. I mean, Angelusa could have been signed a year ago, and I wouldn't have been uh wouldn't have been sad. I was on Angelusa in that contender series fight, and then I realized how good Jack Della Maddalena yeah. was, and he made up for it in Della Maddalena's UFC debut. Yeah, now he's your favorite fighter. TJ Laramie is fighting Pat Sabatini, main card, 145. Line is ginormous. Pat Sabatini is minus a shitload. Minus 485 now. TJ Laramie plus 385. Dan, I talked about this a little bit on Set the Spread. It opened at Pat Sabatini minus 245 and, or 240 and has just gotten smashed. I think the only way to play this is TJ Laramie, but the line is just out of control, Dan. I'm assuming you're still at the pass point. I think it's safe. You can put Sabatini in, in parlays. I really do. Sabatini's tough as shit. Great hands. Uh, next level grappler. Henzo Gracie Philly can't say enough great things about that camp. Um, I mean, Laramie's going to come in and try and wrestle him. I know that. And yeah. I think that Sabatini's game to that. He'll be able to get sweeps. He'll be able to be dangerous off his back. And I don't think that he loses rounds the way we saw Piotr Jan do. There you go. Uh, main card. Last women's fight on the card. Uh, Marina Bu- or Marina Bueno Silva versus Yanan Wu, and the line here is Yanan Wu plus three seventy five, Bueno Silva minus four seventy, and it opened. Dan, it opened at one ten each way. That is oh, I missed this story. one. True story, and then it's just gotten absolutely smashed. So the thing about this one is this one was smashed out the rip. Like it opened at one ten on March twenty third. And by March 24th, it was minus 300. So a lot of early action came on and then it's just slowly steamed since there. To me, Dan, it's unplayable. I think the real question is, do you abide by science here? Uh, I think you have to. 
yeah. just because we've seen anything that come out of these fighters. I think MBS should smoke her. We've we really only seen Yanan Wu win fights because of volume. And I don't think that she's going to be able to hurt or, or get off her volume even on MBS. I think MBS, yeah, I, I think she can really get it done any, any way this goes. One thing, though, Wu's last fight was at Bantamweight. Uh, bueno Silva's last fight was at Flyweight. This fight is taking place at Bantamweight. So I don't know if that plays a factor. But the line is ginormous for some. Well, there you go. There, that's that's good enough reason why there could be some shenanigans in this. Play the say, play yeah. the big dog that's going to have the size advantage. That's good enough for me. Yeah, me too. Especially in this type of, I mean, just you get science plus size. We take those here. Andre Fajillo, uh, last fight out was against Michelle Pereira in his debut, and he's taking on Miguel Baeza, a guy that I'm not shy to say that I'm a huge fan of. The line here is Baeza minus 170, Fahilio or Falio plus 150. The line opened at Baeza minus 140, has seen some sharp action early and has tapered off. I like Baeza here. I know we got caught by Chaos Williams in his last time out, but the truth is I think this guy has all the makings as far as being a well-rounded fighter. His stand-up's great. He trains at MMA Masters, a lot of good training partners there. Um, he, to me, he's a big 170. I, I like him a lot here. I think that this is finally going to be a time where he can showcase himself because Felio, in my opinion, is just a worse chaos Williams. He's chaos Williams relying on the power a little bit slower of a striker, but the big difference is, um, I think he's a, a little bit slower, doesn't throw as high as volume of chaos Williams. I think Miguel Baez is going to be ready for it. I'm taking that 170 for two unis. Yeah, I've flip-flopped on this fight. Um, I mean, looking down Fialo's record just through the losses, I mean, Chidi, Jokwani, Chris Curtis are kind of running through the UFC. Those don't look so bad anymore. Um, he impressed me coming in on short notice versus Michelle Pereira, and that's why I've flip-flopped on this so much because I agree with Reese but I'm also excited to see what Fiala can do on a full camp. And I'm really just got a lot of steam behind this Sanford camp. And I, I think that he's going to impress a lot of people and outperform his number. I don't know if that results in a win, but it does mean I'm going to stay away. There we go. Okay. I love it. I, when, when Dan and I don't see it exactly the same, it always makes for an interesting recipe. All right. Co-main event. Holy shit. It's Gazi Amar Daziev versus Kyle Borello. And both of these guys, I believe, are contender series alums. Um, not 100% sure, but the line is uh, Gazia minus 130, Borello plus 110, and it opened at minus 150 for Gazia or Gazai Agmar Gadbadeshev. So I got the I, last name for you. Omar Gadzayev. That's it? Why yeah. Oh, my God, Ziev. Omar Gazayev. Omar Gazayev versus Borello. Opened at 150, currently 130. When we were setting the spread, I think it was like almost 110. What's going on, Dan? I've almost never seen a 13-0 Russian middleweight at, at a very slight favorite. So something's up there. But Borello on the other side obviously is nothing to scoff at. Yeah, I think people are just respecting Kyle, and, and, and as they should. Um we know what to expect from Godzi. He's going to come out there and wrestle. He's a great wrestler. He's right. got great top pressure. It's going to be hard for Borello to deal with. But I think when he does, 
he's going to have a lot of success. I, he's Brazilian. He's got the jiu-jitsu. He's a much better striker with that Muay Thai style, um, and he hits like a tank. I, I really tend to lean the Brazilian here, and I think that I might eat those words. I don't usually bet against Dagestani wrestlers, but I like Kyle. I love it, dude. I And not only do other people agree with you because the lines come down a little bit, but there's always that question of Brazilian versus wrestler. I mean, he's, he's actually been in a grappling tournament with Jalton Imeda. Right. And, and, and did not get subbed. He lost because of uh, escape time, which is right. incredible. I mean, Jalton is fucking a, he's so good and so he's powerful humongous. and yeah, so, so dangerous. So you're looking at a guy who it makes that top pressure wrestling, not look as attractive when you're someone as dangerous as, as Borello is. All right, let's get to this main event here. Vicente Luque, our boy. I would honestly would say he's a fan favorite here on the pod, but also in the grand scheme of things against Bilal Muhammad, who has a record of 20 and three, which I feel like is underrated when people say the name Bilal Muhammad. I mean, I know there was the eye poke. He lost to Jeff Neal a while back, and he's lost to Vicente Luque as well via KO round one. But that was even money. And this line's a little different. Minus 170 for Vicente Luque plus 150 on the other side for Bilal Muhammad. Um, Dan, we both, just to set the stage here, we always ride Vicente Luque. We both rode Steven Thompson as an ankle lock against Bilal Muhammad last time out. Lost that. Number six, welterweight versus number seven, welterweight. Bilal's made strides. How does this go? This is interesting because Bilal is one of those fighters that doesn't really give a fuck what fighters think or what you want to see. He's going to come out there with his style. It's a little slow. It's a little boring, but he wears on you. He drags on you. He makes you tired and he controls you. He wins rounds. Vicente's got an opposite style almost where he's like, you want to strike with me? I'll knock you out. You want to grapple with me? I'll, I'll darst choke you. You want to, you want to do whatever? I got you. So I really don't know what to expect from Vicente's side. I have to assume that he's been working on that defensive wrestling just because we know that that's what Bilal is going to bring. And I think that Samford is as good of a camp as any to get that sharp as fuck. I mean, you've got guys like Gilbert and Kamaru who are just hanging around and you know that Vicente is a key, key part of all those sparring sessions, training both Gilbert um, for Hamzad and, and with working with Kamaru, they both have that black zillions history. I think that Vicente is, is the better fighter here. But I've, I'm constantly surprised and, and wrong when it comes to Bilal Muhammad. And even when I'm back him, he looked awful. But um, yeah, I don't it's, know. No, I don't know either. And it's like I always want to lean Vicente. But Vicente puts you in this interesting position where there's moments that he'll be in trouble. Every and, fight. Every fight. No matter who he's fighting, he'll, he'll put himself in trouble. Yet – he somehow always escapes and ends up getting the finish for the most part. I mean, you saw it with Chiesa. He was backpacked by Chiesa. You don't get backpacked by Chiesa. And then he and, and then he and then he darces him. So it's it's one of those things where I think if you really want to be safe with your money, if you really want to be disciplined, you don't bet this one. If you have to bet this one, Dan, decision, finish. I mean, Bilal's a tough guy to finish. I don't know if I mean. Vicente's done it, but he's not an easy guy to finish. I hate myself, but this is where my brain is gone. I think that if there's a gun to my head and I'm forced to bet this, I'm betting yeah. below decision 
or Bilal. I like the plus money side. I think they're, I think that, like I said, Kie, or Luque, Vicente Luque is the better, more interesting mixed martial artist. Um, I don't think he does any one thing as good as Bilal does that uh, pressure, hang on you, wear you down. Uh, not but, so much Dagestani t- but style wrestling, Bilal, but it, it's clinch work and, and, and just great Bilal, grappling and position work. But does Bilal even do that as good as Kiesa, for example? I don't, I don't know. I think that Bilal's going to have kind of more size. Like, Kiesa's a little bit lost between those. Between, and I also, uh, yeah, it's just, I mean, when you're looking at a guy like Luke, 30 years old, I mean, he's got wins over Jalen Turner, albeit a young Jalen Turner. Um, Tyron Woodley, Michael Chiesa most recently. He did lose a UD to Leon Edwards. Nothing to totally write at. I mean, I don't know. Vicente Luque, also something I want to mention about him, is he's one of those guys that must be just the hardest worker. Not that Bilal isn't, but when you look at Vicente Luque, his improvement fight over fight from what, what the where you saw him on the ultimate fighter to now, he's actually a different fighter completely. Um, one more thing, don't want to dive too deep into MMA math. And I know obviously it's all game plan and styles, but Vicente Luque got dominated by Steven Thompson, someone that Bilal Muhammad just uh, dominated. So that adds another little wrinkle to this. Very much so. So I, it sounds like when, when someone says, gun to my head, this is what I'm doing, the gun's not to his head. It sounds like it's a layoff here. Yep. Final, yeah, final plays will be posted at Ankle Pick Pod come fight night. It'll be posted on both Danny and my Bet MMA tips. Links in bio. YouTube, it's coming. Your boy's working his ass off over here, so go subscribe, like, do your thing, share it even. Um, TikTok, all that good stuff, same plugs as always. At ankle pick pot is the best place to find it. Gentlemen, any other news or we'll just see them for set the spread come Monday. Poha, brother. Behave yourself tonight, Dan. Close us up with Poha. Yeah. Happy, happy Poha, birthday. brother. Poha from the from the birthday boy. Hit us with it without the Kamzat. <laughs> Give us a real, true, genuine Gilby. Poha! Thank you for listening to Believe. You can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at Believe.com and search for B-L-E-A-V on YouTube.